Thank you, Krista, for that ministry and music, and it certainly goes extremely well with our message this morning that God is faithful, and we need to trust Him in difficult times. This morning, we are looking at a godly king, King Asa, a good king with a long reign that followed a bad king with a short reign. Asa shines bright in a sea of wickedness. Asa dares to be different. As a result, Asa is highly praised in our text. Asa teaches us that we are not simply the product of our environment or our upbringing. God brought a wonderful transformation to the heart of Asa, and he was unlike those that went before him. 1 Kings 15.11 gives us a sense of Asa's life. 1 Kings 15.11, and Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord as Christ, his, excuse me, as David, his father, had done. Asa is a very complex individual. To really understand Asa and what made him tick, we need to see the whole picture of Asa's life. I hope that you received my email, one of which encouraged you to read the chapters in 1 Kings and Chronicles in preparation for this morning's message. For in order to get this whole picture, it's necessary to look at both the accounts in Kings and in Chronicles of Asa's life. So we're going to be turning back and forth in our Bibles this morning. You'll want to put some kind of bookmark or your bulletin or something in 1 Kings and then also in 2 Chronicles, as we are going to be comparing these two accounts. And as you do that, let me just give you an aside this morning for your own personal study at home. There is a much easier way to compare the accounts of Kings and Chronicles without uh, flipping back and forth in your Bibles, and it can be difficult to find where the parallel accounts are to know where to turn in Chronicles to read the same material that's covered in Kings. But there's a tremendously helpful aid. A great help in comparing the accounts to the book of Kings and Chronicles is the book entitled A Harmony of Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles by William Crockett. The book places the accounts of the same events that are recorded in different books of the Bible so that you can see them both. Uh, you will see on the left column of what takes place in Kings and, and on the right column what takes place in Chronicles. It's extremely helpful. And harmonies in general are pretty indispensable in terms of Bible study. The harmonies are books that give you the parallel accounts of events that take place in more than one portion of Scripture. So there are three areas where these harmonies are extremely helpful. Samuel, King, and Chronicles. Then the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And putting them together and helping to see what is found in one place in Matthew, where that's found in Luke, and compare the two accounts. And then the third is a harmony of the life of St. Paul, which looks at the book of Acts, and then puts Paul's trips and the letters in conjunction with the events that are taking place in Acts. So those harmonies are very helpful. The first, a harmony of Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles by William Crockett. The second, a harmony of the Gospels. There are many different ones. I like A.T. Robertson the best. And a harmony of the life of St. Paul, according to the Acts of the Apostles and the Pauline Epistles by Frank J. Goodwin. Now, our church library has all of those harmonies. And I've asked uh, Sarah to uh, put those on display. They're over there. They're on display. So you can go over and take a look at them and see what I'm talking about. And I encourage you to take the time to do that. I've asked that she put them on reserve so you can't take them out so that other people can come and look at them. But I'm encouraging you to buy them to buy them. They're a great investment. They're a good thing to have on your shelf. And as you want to do any study in these books that 
compare passages, they are, as I say, indispensable. From Asa, we learn many things, including that we can be faithful to God in a time and sphere when those who are around us are unfaithful. We learn that we're not simply the product of our environment or our upbringing. For Asa rose above his environment. He went against his upbringing, and he chose to follow God, which, of course, is extremely admirable. As I said, the key verse is 1511. Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as David, his father, had done. And we don't want to lose sight of that this morning. For we're going to see that Asa is not perfect, which should be in itself an encouragement to us all who are not perfect either. And so it's a wonderful reminder of the way in which Asa is honored and looked at as one who did right in the eyes of the Lord as David, his father, had done. This morning, we're going to look at the events that shaped Asa's life and his response to them. Our text, which is 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, excuse me, 1 Kings chapter 15, our text begins with the commendable things that Asa did. It centers upon the religious reforms that Asa accomplished. Now let's look at those reforms. First, he removed the sexual practices that corrupted the worship that we saw last week. 1 Kings 15, 12, he put away the male cult prostitutes out of the land. He also removed all the idols that had been worshipped for some time. And the verse 12, and removed all the idols that the fathers had made. Thirdly, he even disrowned his own <coughs> <clears throat> his own uh, mother from the status of being queen mother, for it tells us in verse 13, he also removed Miaka, his mother, from being queen mother, uh, really grandmother, because she had made an abominable image to Asherah. Again, he was not a slave to his upbringing and was even willing to denounce his own family members and even remove them from places of prominence and authority. And lastly, he destroyed the idol that had been made to Asherah, verse 13. He also removed Maacah, his mother, from being queen uh, mother because she had made an abominable image for Asherah. And Asa cut down the image and burned it in the book Kedron. So these are very commendable reforms that took a period of time. And once again, we have the positive spiritual assessment of Asa's life. He did not get caught up in idolatry, but remained faithful to God. Though not perfect, Asa was truly devoted to the Lord for the entirety of his life, if you look at verse 14. But the high places were not taken away. Uh, that is a shortcoming. Nevertheless, it says, the heart of Asa was wholly true to the Lord all his days. What a commendable statement, for we find so many individuals start out well, but end rather poorly. There are many that wander from God, but Asa remained true to God all his days, it tells us. Asa honored and worshiped the Lord with his wealth and refurbished the temple in verse 15, and he brought into the house of the Lord the sacred gifts of his father and his own sacred gifts, silver and gold and vessels. That's very important to keep in mind as we go along. But now we have an oddity, uh, a course of action that does not seem to fit with what we have been saying about the rest of Asa's life. We are introduced to a threat that comes to Asa, verses 16 and 17 of 1 Kings 15. And there was war between Asa and Baasha, king of Israel, all their days. Baasha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and built Ramah that he might permit no one to go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. So this Baasha was putting sanctions, if you will, 
on the nation of Judah, uh, trying to forbid trade, uh, trying to cause economic harm and hardship to Asa. Asa's response to that threat is to issue a bribe to the king of Syria to break his covenant with Baasha and to actually fight Baasha, verses 18 and 19. Then Asa took all the silver and the gold that were left in the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house and gave them into the hands of his servants. And King Asa sent them to Ben-Hadad, the son of Tabiriamon, the son of Hezion, king of Syria, who lived in Damascus, saying, Let there be a covenant between me and you, as there was between my father and your father. Behold, I am sending to you a present of silver and gold. Go break your covenant with Baasha, king of Israel, that he may withdraw me. Well, this was actually a bribe. And uh, that's the, the word that's actually used in the Hebrew here, that this was, this was a bribe, that he was paying off uh, the king of Assyria and encouraged him to go fight the king of Israel. Well, it worked. 1 Kings 15, 20 to 22. And Ben-Hadad listened to King Asa and sent the commanders of the armies against the cities of Israel and conquered Ion, Dan, Abel, Beth, Maaka, and Alchinaroth with all the land of Naphtali. And when Baasha heard of it, he stopped building Ramah, and he lived in Tirzah. Then King Asa made a proclamation to all Judah. None was exempt, and they carried away the stones of Ramah and its timber with which Baasha had been building. And with them King Asa built Geba of Benjamin and Mizpah. But I want to pause at this point and ask the question, what are we to think about taking the gold that was dedicated to the Lord and using it to bribe a wicked king to go out and to do battle with Israel in order to deliver the land of Judah? Remember, 1 Kings 15, 18 says, Then Asa took the silver and the gold that were left in the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house, and gave them to the hands of his servants. How are we to view that? Let me just say, I know I'm not doing a lot of application. It's all going to come at the end, but we need to, to, uh, to uh, set the stage. So now, we move to a consideration of Ace's failure to rely upon the Lord. There is much more information afforded to us in the life of Asa in the book of 2 Chronicles. So keep your marker here and turn with me to 2 Chronicles. And we're going to start in chapter 14. For we are provided a lot of helpful background to the events that are being described here in 1 Kings chapter 15. So we want to look at the background. Prior to Baasha coming to build Ramah and the military threat. Prior to this, Asa had some wonderful experiences in his life in which he learned of the Lord's sufficiency. One such event was on a previous occasion when a huge army came against him. Look with me at 2 Chronicles chapter 14, now verse 8. And Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah armed with large shields and spears, and 280,000 men from Benjamin that carried shields and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. Zerah the Ethiopian came against him with an army of a million men and 300 chariots, and came as far as Marasha. Now, this is previous to the encounter he has with Baasha. This is just background. So on a previous occasion, just a few years into his reign, this army of a million people, twice the size of his army, and armed with 300 chariots, that would be like almost nuclear weapons today, just totally outmanned and outgunned. What did Asa do? What did Asa do? 
Well, the answer is Asa called upon the Lord for help. Look at verse 10 of 2 Chronicles chapter 14. And Asa went out to meet him, and they drew up their lines of battle in the valley of Zarephath at Marassa. And Asa cried to the Lord his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, help us. And Asa relied upon the Lord. Verse 11, help us, O Lord our God. And then he states specifically, for we rely upon you. His trust, his confidence, his hope of deliverance was God. God, you need to go to battle for us. Now may I point out to you that at this point in Asa's life, he really had no alternative but to turn to God once he had decided to reject the idols. He did not have the wherefore-all to issue a, a bribe at this particular point and juncture. So he was at wit's end. There was no place to turn but to turn to the Lord. But even when people are at wit's end, doesn't mean they always turn to the Lord. So this is very, very commendable. This, this is praiseworthy. This is exemplary that in this difficult situation, outmanned, outgunned, that Asa is praying, calling upon God, saying, rely upon you and we look to you for our help. As a result, the Lord enabled Asa and his men to have a great victory, verses 12 through 15. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Asa and the people who were with him pursued them as far as Gerar, and the Ethiopians fell upon none, remained alive, for they were broken before the Lord and his army. The men of Judah carried away very much spoil. And they attacked all the cities around Gerar, for the fear of the Lord was upon them. They plundered all the cities, for there was much plunder in them. And they struck down the tents of those who had livestock and carried away sheep in abundance and camels. Then they returned to Jerusalem. Asa is then encouraged by a prophet that God sends to speak to Asa. Second Chronicles 15.1 The Spirit of the Lord came upon Azariah, the son of Obed, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. So God sends a prophet to commend Asa for what he has done and to encourage him and to say, keep on, keep going. <laughs> Stay in this direction. Rely upon the Lord. And is encouraged to learn from the record of the past, the distant past and the very near past. Verses 3 through 7, 2 Chronicles 15. For a long time Israel was without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when in their distress they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, he was found by them. In those times there was no peace to him who went out or to him who came in, for great disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the lands. They were broken in pieces. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every sort of distress. But you, take courage. Do not let your hands be weak, for your work will be rewarded. This reliance upon God is going to bring great blessings. It was these words that brought about the great reform. First, Asa removed the idols out of the land, verses 8. Uh, as soon as Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Azariah, the son of Obed, he took courage and put away the detestable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities they had taken in the hill country of Ephraim, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the vestibule, the house of the Lord. So he began these reforms. He reinstated Stated a very godly worship of the Lord, verse 9. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon who were residing with him for great numbers had deserted to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So God is blessing him. And 
Even people from the northern kingdom, from Israel, are defecting and coming down and becoming a part of Judah because they see the hand of God at work. Verse 10, they were gathered at Jerusalem in the third month of the fifth year of the reign of Asa. They sacrificed to the Lord, and on that day, from the spoil that they had brought, 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep. So they offer this sacrifice to God out of the spoil that they had taken through this military victory. Asa and his people rededicated themselves to the Lord, verse 12, and they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, with all their hearts and with all their soul. But that whoever would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, should be put to death, whether young or old, man or woman. They swore an oath to the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with horns. And all Judah rejoiced over the oath, for they had sworn with all their hearts and sought him with their whole desire. And he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. So their hearts are right with God. This is an incredible revival that's taking place that Asa is overseeing. It's at this point that he dethrones the queen mother, verses 10, uh, 16 and 17. Even Maacah, the mother of King Asa, removed from being queen mother because she had made a detestable image for Asherah. Asa cut down her image, crushed it, and brought it to the book Kidron. But the high places were not taken out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was wholly true all his days. This is when the temple treasures were given, verse 16. And he brought into the house of God the sacred gifts of his father and his own sacred gifts, silver and gold and vessels. And we already saw that he refurbished the altar outside. So now he focuses upon the temple and its worship. Then there was a lengthy period of peace, verse 19, and there was no more war until the 35th year of the reign of Asa. So, 30 years pass. 30 years is a long time. 30 years of peace, 30 years of tranquility, 30 years of blessing, 30 years of worshiping and serving the Lord, 30 years of dedication, 30 years of commitment. God was richly blessing Asa and his faithfulness to the Lord. Now we come to the events that are recorded in 1 Kings chapter 15 about Baasha. 2 Chronicles 16.1 In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Baasha king of Israel went up against Judah and built Ramah that he might permit no one to go out and come in to King Asa of Judah. Asa then takes from the gold of the temple to bribe the king of Syria. We already saw that, but now here's the context of it. Verse 2 of 2 Chronicles 16. Then Asa took silver and gold from the treasures of the house of the Lord and the king's house and sent them to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who lived in Damascus. Now remember, these treasures were a result of his military victories. Verse 3 there is a covenant between me and you, and there was between my father and your father. Behold, I am sending to you silver and gold. Go, break your covenant with Baasha, king of Israel, that he may withdraw from me. Again, I told you it worked. Baasha withdrew, verses 4 and 5. And Behadad listened to King Asa and sent the commanders of the armies against the cities of Israel. And they conquered Yan, Dan, Abel-Mirim, and all the other cities of Naphtali. And when Baasha heard of it, he stopped building Ramah and let his work cease. We asked the question in 1 
Kings chapter 15, what are we to think about this? What are we to gather from Asa's plundering the temple and giving the gold to the king of Syria in order to fight against Baasha? Well, we, we don't have to wonder what we should think about it because God tells us what we should think about it. For now, we're given additional material that is not found in 1 Kings. In the book of 2 Chronicles, the prophet Hanani rebukes Asa for his failure to rely upon the Lord. Verse 7, at that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa. That time is the time in which he had given the vessels, the gold, to the king of Syria. At that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa. And Asa is confronted and rebuked for relying upon the king of Syria rather than relying upon the Lord. Verse 7, at that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God. Thirty years earlier, when he was defenseless, virtually, he had a great army of 500,000, but he was going against an army of a million. And when he looked out upon them, he said, God, we rely upon you. We trust in you. You can deliver us. And God delivered him. Now, 30 years later, he's got the king of the northern tribes coming against him. Nowhere near as powerful as the army that he'd faced before. Now he's dealing with an economic siege that is taking place. Not near the threat that he was encountering before, and yet this time he fails to rely upon the Lord. And I'm not saying that. God says that to him. You did not rely upon God. You relied upon the king of Syria. Furthermore, what seems like a victory, because Baasha turned around and left, could have been a far greater victory. Remember, I kept saying it worked, it worked, it worked. But it worked with an asterisk. It worked with a caveat. And that is, however... If he would have relied upon the Lord instead of paying a bribe to the king of Syria to go fight the king of Israel, the Lord would have done a much greater work. For notice verse 7, 2 Chronicles 16, At that time Hanley the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Syria, not on the Lord your God, here's the outcome, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. The army of the king of Syria has escaped you. You could have had power and control over Syria, but you relinquished it. You relinquished it. Asa should have learned from his past experiences when he did, not rely, when he did rely upon the Lord and should have relied upon the Lord again. For notice verse 8. Were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans a huge army with many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hand. He reminds him. Think back 30 years ago. Think about the trouble you were in. Think about how God helped you and God delivered you. God enabled you. How often, how often we have to learn the same spiritual lesson over and over and over again. Have you ever found yourself reading the Old Testament and just kind of shaking your head at the Israelites? And, and as you read it, you, you just say, what are they going to learn? It's the, the same thing over and over again. They trust the Lord, then they don't trust the Lord. And when they trust the Lord, things go well. They don't trust the Lord, things go bad. And, and then... They trust the Lord, and then they're challenged, and then they don't trust the Lord. And you, and you say, how often 
Does the cycle have to repeat itself? How often do you have to learn the same lesson over and over again? But lest we lose sight of the reality of life, how many times do we have to learn the same lesson over and over again? How many times have we seen the answer to prayer and yet then fail to pray? How many times have we seen God's mercy in our lives and then yet turn our back on that mercy and and go against it? How often it is that in times of trouble and difficulty we've cried out unto the Lord and then the next trial or difficulty comes and we panic and, and we wonder what in the world are we going to do? There is a tremendous need to stay faithful, to stay focused in our spiritual lives. And then there is a reminder to Asa of the Lord's willingness and even eagerness to help. Verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless before him. It's not only that God is willing to help, God is eager to help. You don't have to beg him. He wants you to come and ask for his help. You are not in somehow impinging upon God. You are not bothering God. You, you are not annoying God by coming before him saying, Lord, I am insufficient for this task. I need your help. God delights. It says God is constantly on the watch. He, his eyes run to and fro. He's looking about for people who are seeking to trust in him. And when he sees that, he responds. He wants to help you. He wants to give you deliverance. He wants to come to your aid if only we would call upon him and ask for his help. Asa does not take this correction well. Asa becomes angry, verse 10. Then Asa was angry with the seer. And Asa takes his anger out upon the prophet of God. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in the stocks in prison. For he was in a rage with him because of this. And Asa also takes his anger out upon the people. End of verse 10. And Asa inflicted cruelties. It's a word for torture upon some of the people at the same time. Wow. Seems totally out of character for Asa, doesn't it? Or this man who is described as godly, this man who is described as doing that which God would have him to do, and yet when he is rebuked, he gets angry, he actually puts the prophet in prison for daring to say such things to him that he had failed to rely upon the Lord, and he tortures those that side with the prophet. Well, not everyone who is confronted for their spiritual failures take it well, including the people of God. David was unique when Nathan came before him and said, David, thou art the man. And David humbly repented before God. But Asa did not. Asa did not. When he was confronted, he became angry. He became angry. And he became angry at the prophet, as though this is what the prophet said, this is what God said. The prophet did nothing to deserve imprisonment. And the people certainly did not deserve to be tortured or treated harshly. But they were. But they were. We must be careful, as a people of God, how we respond when we are confronted by God. By God. Asa.
became angry and Asa took that anger out upon the prophet and upon the people of God. Sometimes we're confronted and we're not even confronted directly. Maybe you hear a message and it speaks to a particular sin or a particular circumstance in your life and you become offended. Maybe just simply reading the scriptures and as you study the word of God all of a sudden you're confronted. What is your response when you're confronted? What is your response when there is an area of weakness that is pointed out in your life? Do you get angry or do you welcome it? Do you accept it as of the Lord in a way of actually doing better and maturing and growing and becoming a better individual or do you get upset? And on the one hand you can understand why Asa would be upset. Look at all the good I've done! Doesn't anything, doesn't the good I do count for anything? I took away the idols. I refurbished the temple. I even removed the queen mother. Look at all I have done. Yes, you did all of that, but you also failed to rely upon the Lord, which also teaches us a very important truth, and that is we can be obedient children of God. We, we can be very godly individuals who are very concerned about pleasing the Lord and walking with him. We can be people who are careful, and we can be people who are actually dealing with sin in our lives and trying to get away from it, and still at the same time find that there are situations in which we fail to rely upon the Lord. In the midst of our faithfulness, there can be times in our lives in which we doubt the Lord's goodness or the Lord's sufficiency. And sometimes it's not so much that we even doubt him, it's that we, we fail to look to him. So Asa is given another situation to rely upon the Lord. Here is God's gracious providential working in Asa's life. To bring Asa to a, a place of repentance and a greater reliance upon the Lord. Asa develops a medical problem with his feet, verse 12. In the 39th year of his reign, so for three years later, Asa was diseased in his feet. His medical condition worsens over time, verse 12, and his disease became severe. Despite his long medical illness, Asa only seeks the help of the doctors and fails to seek the Lord's help. Verse 12, in the 39th year of his reign, Asa was diseased in his feet. His disease became severe, yet even in his disease he did not seek the Lord, but sought help from the physicians. Now, we are not to think that it's wrong to seek a doctor's help. There's nothing wrong with taking medicine. There's nothing wrong with seeking what God provides in terms of medical help, but we should not seek solutions and secures apart from God or in place of God. The problem was that he only sought the physicians and he failed to seek the Lord's help. And this is somewhat remarkable. It's why the text says in verse 12, yet even in his disease, yet even in his disease, for there is a natural tendency when we experience physical problems that we turn to the Lord. That's quite natural. All you have to do is come to prayer meeting and you will find that the vast majority of the prayer requests have to do with physical problems. That's when people turn to the Lord. When I go to the hospital and uh, I visit an individual, uh, 
and they're in a room with another person, I always say to the person in the other bed, I'm about to pray for so-and-so here. I'd be happy to pray for you if you would allow me to. And I, in all my years, have only had one person say to me, don't pray for me. One person in all my years has said, don't pray for me. The response is, yes, please pray. They may not have any faith. They may not have any trust. They may not even believe in a God. But if they're lying in a hospital bed and somebody says, I will pray for you, please do. Now here is Asa who is diseased in his feet and it's severe and he's still not praying to God. He's still not trusting God. He's still not relying upon God. But it was God's grace to bring him to a place of reliance. And he didn't. But we need to maintain a balance. He also didn't seek false gods. He also didn't curse God and die. He remained faithful to God all his days. He remained a worshiper of God. He remained faithful to God. He didn't go out and rebuild the idols and all those things. No, he was faithful to God all his days. And yet in his faithfulness, he failed to look to the Lord for help. People, it's very possible as we sit here today, faithfully coming to church. Faithfully proclaiming his word. Faithfully teaching Sunday school. Faithfully serving him. And yet at times, we fail to rely upon him. We, we fail to focus upon him. We look for alternative ways and means of our well-being and our future help and strength rather than God. So the takeaways. First, there's a difference between obedience and reliance. Asa was obedient to the Lord all his days. But he struggled with relying upon the Lord. That same danger exists for us. No matter how faithfully and how zealously we have been living for the Lord. Especially as we grow older, for whatever reason, we tend to be more forgetful not just in terms of everyday life in which I can give testimony to. I've become extremely forgetful. I used to have an incredible memory. It's gone. But not just about life's events, but about what God has done for us. Deuteronomy 6.10, And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take care that you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. When you eat and are full of things that you did not plant, when you partake of all the blessings of God, beware at that point forgetting where those blessings came from. Beware of forgetting the benefits that have been accrued by God's grace and sufficiency in our lives. We have a tendency to forget how God has made us successful, how God has helped us in the past. These treasures in the temple were accumulated through the victories that God had given to Asa. But he uses those same treasures now to pay off a wicked king. A king whose allegiance to the highest bidder and whose allegiance quickly changes toward Asa. And he makes or tries to make a friend out of an enemy. And it won't work in the end. If we're not careful, God's blessings can be a source of spiritual apathy. In our prosperity, we forget about our need for the Lord. We may try to buy our way out of troubles as Asa did. 
And some of these things, you know, they, they seem so ethereal. They, they seem so out there. This is Old Testament. These are old days, okay? What does this have to do to me? Well, let me give you one practical thing. Asa failed to realize that that which he had was due to God's faithfulness and blessing to him. And what he did was he took the treasures which were dedicated to the Lord and used those treasures to buy off a foreign king. You with me? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been tempted to use your tithes and offerings to try to meet needs in your life because you have great needs and you have nowhere else to turn but your tithes and offering. You spent it all. So now you got to raid the, the storehouse. Now you got to take your tithes and offering. That's a time to rely upon the Lord. That's a time to say, God, you are sufficient. God, you are able. You supplied. I wouldn't have these things in the first place but by your faithfulness and your goodness. The reality is, it's very easy to lose sight. Very easy to lose sight. Even for dedicated, committed people to forget what God has done for us in the past and will do in the future. In this day of medical advancements, in this days of which God has allowed such technology to exist and for such wisdom to be increased, and we should avail ourselves of all of it. I'm not speaking one iota against using all the medical procedures and devices and medications that God has graciously provided for us, but don't lose sight of also seeking the Lord's help. Don't rely totally upon them but be asking God to be with your doctor, asking God to use that medication, asking God to provide for you that which you are in need of. We can only wonder what blessings we miss out on by failing to call upon God. If our text wouldn't have pointed out, it says, you have done foolishly. You have done foolishly. What seemed like a wise thing, which seemed like a pretty clever thing to do, to, to pay off the king of Syria and get him to fight your battle for you, says you have done foolishly, for you could have conquered the king of Syria. When we fail to really rely upon the Lord, we don't see him work in the way in which we could See him work. We don't get those incredible testimonies of, of God's faithfulness and God's provision for we have cut ourselves off from it. And rather than trusting in him and asking him to supply our need, when we take of our tithes and offerings and use it, we, we just obstruct and we thwart and we fail to see the great power and goodness of God. But lest we really run astray this morning, and, and what I want to focus our attention again upon the end is what it says about Asa. And that is, Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord as David his father had done. Asa was a godly king. Well, that should encourage our hearts. My point to you this morning is not for us to beat ourselves up and to go away with our heads down and, and say, oh, we're such miserable, wretched people. Oh, you know, I, that's not the point. That's not the point. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, God welcomes you. God, God blesses you. You are his, and he finds no fault in you. This is about experiencing even more of God's goodness. 
This is about even tasting more of his power and his sufficiency. This is about becoming even better. Asa doesn't have huge things to repent from. But he could have done a better job at, at trusting in the Lord. And maybe this morning, you know, it can be said of us that we have been walking with the Lord. It can be said of us that, that we have been doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord. We have been trying to live for him. But maybe we can do even better. Maybe we can trust him even more. Maybe we can just ask him to guard our hearts so we don't forget what he's done 30 years ago. We don't forget what he has brought us from and through. We don't forget what got us here. And we just continually, continually rely upon the Lord, even like we did when we were younger. May we be faithful to us, to him in the end. The implication is that if, David, if Asa would have sought the Lord, probably would have been healed of the disease in his feet, but he dies, and he dies in that state. May we learn to trust him more. I think the, the hymn that we started with was probably the hymn that we should have closed with, but that's the idea, learning to trust him more. Let's pray. Almighty God, help us, help us, first of all, to rejoice in Ace's faithfulness and the way in which you used him to bring about marvelous reform in the nation of Judah. And Lord, how you were pleased with those reforms and what David, uh, what Asa had done. And may we not lose sight of that. And may we not lose sight that if we know you as our Lord and Savior this morning, that we are welcomed by you and we are pleased by you. But Lord, also teach us this morning that, that we don't have to beg for your help. Where your eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth in order to show yourself strong on behalf of those who are blameless. Or we are blameless through the blood of Christ. And you want to help us. Lord, may you not be our last resort, may you be our first. May we not try everything else and then turn to the Lord, but Lord, before we try anything else, before we go any other way, May our prayers be, may our heart be to trust in you and to believe in you and to seek your help. And may you be praised and honored and glorified as a result. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.